0: This is the Christian Heritage London podcast from London. Well, it's a real privilege to be with guy miller here sitting at westminster what is it westminster something
1: westminster chapel oh, yeah, yeah yeah in the Good, heart of london in the heart of london right next to buckingham palace isn't what could it? be nicer? Yeah,
0: yeah yeah i yeah. cycled down the mall today under union flags past police on horses glorious part of the city isn't it it still has the echo of great things that have happened yeah.
1: here in the field. and great things yet to come Amen. you've got to believe for that love it yeah do you come from london guy No. My dad came from London. My dad was born and bred not too far from here, actually, and uh, grew up in the Blitz. He was in in London. He joined the Navy, and I had seven different schools by the time I was 11. So I've lived in Ireland, I've lived in Scotland, Devon, Cornwall, and Hampshire a lot over over my years. But now, based half my time in Dorset, in Bournemouth, and half my time up in London, serving Westminster Chapel. Now, you oversee a
0: church or a group of churches?
1: We're part of New Frontiers. I look after about 70 churches in India, and then about 50 churches in the UK, and half a dozen in Spain and Portugal. And we're just planting another one into America, funnily enough, but uh, yeah, so there's a number of churches that we spend our time caring for, looking after, helping. We've come to London specifically, to try and encourage and help this church here, this incredible church to grow and to embrace the challenges that are mm. around us today. Mm. So Heather and I have given a two year commitment to be in London to serve this this incredible church.
0: And you, you got to know some of your your neighbours in your block, there.
1: I mean, it's interesting. We had a tea party for our neighbours, and uh, you've got people very high up. I mean, one, <laughs> one was the director of Andrew Lloyd Webber's something musical, and <laughs> another's higher from the Bank of England. So they're a little bit sort of different from our background. Uh, but our other neighbours, which are we're very close to, are the people who sleep on the streets. So mm. Heather and I like to go out and uh, get to know them, uh, mm. which is a real joy.
0: I was working in the city a little while ago, and there was. Uh, I was talking to my friend who was selling the big issue on the street outside our office and this huge car drove past and sitting in the back was the Queen. Wow. And as she turned a corner to go towards Guildhall, my friend said, she didn't acknowledge me.
1: <laughs> Which I rather liked. <laughs> yeah. this way. Well, Heather's, Heather's seen, uh, I think it was uh, William and Kate go Gopart. I haven't seen anybody famous, really? unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so um, this is an extraordinary location to be in, uh, mm. in the middle of Westminster. It's an area which used to have a community around it, yep. but it's an area now which... I mean, how much... I suppose the residential around here is not from people who necessarily come from here.
1: A few weeks ago we did an outreach uh, team here, um, which was great. So we did street work and uh, music and testimony on the streets. We spent the Saturday serving a local community, a five minute walk from here, uh, sort of a council area uh... No, so really. there are genuinely poor people literally within five minutes of here most of them are not British born as it were mm-hmm. f- first generation so uh... language is a challenge mm-hmm. and helping them so we we did a ch- children's work we did face painting we clean windows yeah, well, and we got to know quite a few neighbors and and some of them came along on the following sunday just to check us out they hadn't even heard there was a church here so five minutes from here Going towards Pimlico and you there are genuine needy people all around and uh, they are our local community
0: Oh, strong. That's powerful Now uh,
1: Guy, did you come from a believing family yourself? I didn't. In fact, I'm one of the statistics that we don't often hear about because I never went to church And at the age of 15, my life was quite a mess by the age I was 15, weirdly enough Uh, Just through a set of circumstances, being sent to boarding school and bullying. And my parents were very concerned about my uh, mental uh, state because of all the things that happened to me. And then uh, a girl on a bus invited me to come along to an Anglican church. And so eventually, having asked me a number of times, I said, I'd come along. And uh, the guy who preached was the most amazing vicar who just preached the gospel. And I found myself crying. He said people here are going to respond today to Christ and I found myself standing up walking to the front the first of I think there was three or four people in the room knelt felt myself under a waterfall of love oh. and uh, Just found wet my way into the kingdom. Mm. I went home and said to mum and dad. Hey, I've just become a Christian and they said you've always been a Christian you were baptized as a christened as an infant Mm. I said no this is real Jesus is alive and my dad said we'll give it two months Uh, and uh, that was so none of my family were Christian so they struggled with that made it quite difficult in those early days didn't understand it but uh, yeah I I came from a non-Christian background Mm. and therefore I've always been passionate about reaching people with the gospel.
0: Right, so, so this was uh, this was in Plymouth was it?
1: No, this was then in a place called Alsford near Winchester because oh. my parents moved because of the boarding school tragedy they'd moved to enable me to go to uh, the same school but as a day boy mm. uh, right. and so it was there that uh, uh, I got saved and interestingly enough uh, my wife now she was at that church meeting oh, really? and she says in her testimony it's the first time she'd seen a peer level person respond to the gospel and oh, she yeah. thought oh i know that person he travels on the bus with me wow people do get saved people from a non-christian background do get saved and about nine months later we started going out with each other oh, and so that was great
0: yeah wow and and there was a girl who just met you on the bus yeah was she you were frequently going on the same bus to same and bus it was it was
1: uh, it's an odd bus because uh, we, Colin Firth was on the bus as well, I used to sit next to Colin Firth, so it's, it's funny when you look back at who you meet with, but this was just another, there was probably about eight or nine of us, every day we'd travel backwards and forwards to Winchester, which was about 10 miles, and we got to know each other quite well, and this was the quietest girl on the bus, wouldn't say boo to a goose, and she kept on saying to me, would you be interested in coming to church, and I said no, uh, I, don't, I don't do church, and then one day I just felt, hey, I'll get her off my back, I'll go, Gracious and God saved me. Save me. Yeah. Uh, was she inviting everyone? I would have thought so, knowing a little bit about her afterwards and getting to know her a bit afterwards. She had a lovely walk with God, a mm. very humble, genuine walk with God and mm. a beautiful uh, woman. Oh, bless yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, is that yeah. Yeah. wonderful? It sounds
0: yeah. like, yes, you, do, you find these, these saints. I tend to find yeah. <laughs> people who do that sort of thing, they don't even mention it, they don't know it. I, I work with a lady called Ilona. She says, "I spoke to a guy today, told him the gospel." She said, "He told me no one had ever told him this before." Wow! So the punchline is not I told a guy the gospel. The punchline is she's this guy told me no one else had told me, but she doesn't. She just naturally, yeah. naturally, consistently, and continually tells people about Christ. And Wonderful! Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it is Absolutely an impressive beautiful. thing. How oh, lovely! So you were you you, you were uh, brought born again into that congregation did you stay in that
1: no the vicar because it was slightly outside of walls for the vicar said there's a very good youth group in a brethren church which was the same church as my wife went to and they had a very very lively probably about 20 people of my age 16 to 20 year olds and it was there that i Grew to love the bible was taught the bible obviously grew up having to buy a suit wear a tie <laughs> uh all that sort of stuff and there were some very good things a love for the bible and a devotion to breaking of bread all those things which were wonderful for my life mm. but obviously with it came some trappings of sort yeah, of uh, yeah. how you do christianity mm. uh to be a proper christian mm. which <laughs> had to sort of slowly be un- unhinged mm. from as yes. uh, as i grew in god
0: Yes, but the Brethren, they have that wonderful, I think it was Dick Lucas said that between the wars, it was the Brethren yeah. who kept the evangelical flame burning in yeah. this country. Yeah. I think it's an extraordinary testimony from someone who should know a few things. You know? yeah. yeah, but the Brethren, you do tend to find they did open the text.
1: And you look at the history, even our modern history. I mean, I'm involved in Portugal, and the guy who began an incredible working at Porto and, and the north of Portugal was out of the Brethren. But from those humble roots, he just went with the Bible in Portuguese. He didn't speak any Portuguese at all, her, her father, and arrived and started to learn Portuguese by reading his Bible, by living with non-Christians and starting to share, pray for someone who was sick and they got healed, the first convert, and the whole story starts to unfold. So they were incredible, not only just in the UK, but their mission, mm. passion for mission, right. uh, unbelievable, right, inspiring. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah, fruitful and uh, faithful. In your own life, are there any other people from church history who've been a particular encouragement to you, or your own history?
1: Lloyd Jones was obviously a man for that season. That that mm-hmm. com- that confidence in the Bible, the authority, the reformed uh, legacy which he's left to that next generation, which s- took it beyond. This is what the Bible says, and said, Actually, how do we outwork? Mm. How do we outwork proof? How do we outwork the Holy Spirit? How do we outwork this incredible teaching to see it become a reality? And, mm-hmm. and men like Terry uh, paid a price to do that. They said, Actually, it is the church, you know, it's not people just assenting to truth and gathering to hear good teaching, it's actually this needs to be outworked in a community, Mm -hmm. in a community which will then influence its community. Tim Keller's done that magnificently. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what he's written uh, has helped evangelicals across the world. I think amazing sort of stories and understanding. And uh, I think what your your father Terry's done for New Frontiers, I think we love the church. Mm -hmm. We believe in the church. We believe it's the hope for the world. Mm I think the first time I met Terry Virgo, I first heard him talk on grace. I was so offended. I, I waited at, to the end of the meeting to go and say to him, "You can't preach this stuff. This is this is near heresy. People will go go all out to sin if they hear this grace teaching. It's just it was." And he. He was very loving. He said, you're not far from the Pauline understanding of what Paul was really, really rooting for in Romans. The whole thing, we can carry on seeing that grace may abound. And just coming into grace, I think for me, Terry modeled that as a man, but actually his teaching really helped me. And that has significantly changed my life. Mm. Uh, I think... I've been involved with India. Everything in India is legal and, and law. Everything is about status, hierarchy, where you are in your caste system, your hierarchy, who you are. Church leadership can be very pyramidical. Um, who's at the top? Of, and I think gr- grace in being involved in that movement of churches, grace has transformed that movement of churches. Wow. and uh, it, it, it's beyond brilliant teaching it, it is so life transforming and my life has been enriched through just that one thing alone mm. I would say be an amazing influence in my life mm. Greg Haslam's been a huge influence in my life he's my father in God when I first met Greg he said what books do you read you want know, to, I want to disciple you and I said I read the Beano the Dandy you know I sort of <laughs> Uh, Treasure Island. So he got me, before I ever went full-time or anything like that, he got me reading the whole of Ephesians and Romans and Lloyd-Jones, meeting with him every week, Mm. talking through what I understood, what I didn't understand, and given me a great love, an absolute love for reading, and Mm. and, and way beyond New Frontiers or One Stream, reading widely. Mm. Uh, Piper and Keller, I would say I've probably read nearly everything they've written. I, I think they've in outstanding yep. statesman. C.S. Lewis is my personal sort of favorite read just because he is so pithy and mm. clever. He was a man before right. his time in a way and so Lewis was, is one of my heroes. When I got saved, I, I mean, I read first one of the first Christian books with John Bunyan. Uh, I did a pilgrimage a few years ago and went to Bedford, sat in the mock-up cell that he would have same size cell in the museum there and I just wept, just thought this guy Paid a huge price with such poverty. His family. What, what an amazing guy who so loved God and and so was wanting to honour the gospel by preaching it outside, outside the, the the doors of the buildings, the church buildings. I just, I'm inspired by that. I'm inspired by the revivals. I love John Charles Wesley, Whitfield. I mean, what a what incredible people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love reading biographies. I'm just reading one on Hudson Taylor. and These guys are amazing Mm. in terms of their normality. (laughs) Uh, They're just Mm. so ordinary. Mm. The struggles, when you read their biographies, they were very real struggles, struggles we all have. And yet their love for Jesus, their love for the people who were lost shines out. And you Mm. think, so I, 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 I think it's a healthy diet personally to read one or two biographies a year for, for us who are Christians, because I think that we stand on their shoulders. Mm. We, we really stand on their shoulders and we're not gonna reinvent the wheel they they knew something of God in their generation, and they in, they, they've they handed a baton to us and said, mm. you need to live in your world in, with that same desire, those same passions, that same centering of your life to the, to those truths. Mm. Mm. And uh, so I think it's a healthy thing. Mm. Everyone I disciple, I say, you, you've got to become a reader, you've got to read some biographies, and, mm. and some of the modern scholars, actually I didn't mention Eugene Peterson, I think he is, uh, he's a, A pastor to pastors i think what he writes Mm. connects at such a heart level with pastors Mm. today i think he he he's a very clever man very good thinker but he understands the challenges of modern pastoral ministry Mm. and again i've been really encouraged to read everything he's written as well Mm. i've been Mm -hmm birthed in Lloyd-Jones, read his, uh, you know, his marvellous series, Romans, Ephesians, just loved that reform teaching. And when you talk about Westminster Chapel, his his is the name that most people who are of my generation older would immediately go to. And then finding out, since I've been here, about Samuel Martin, the first congregational minister at this church, and just totally inspired by his life and a name i'd never even heard of before right right. and now i think wow that is what a what a guy he was right
0: so samuel martin how many years before lloyd jones was samuel martin here
1: he was the first minister here 1842 Uh and at the age of tender age of 25 Uh, His second uh, pastorate, he started to lead here. It wasn't in this building. There was a building, the old building, which is just the end of what is Westminster Chapel, down this way, uh, is where he started. Within a five minute walk is what Dickens called the Devil's Acre, because there were open sewers, there was all kinds of vice, drunkenness, prostitution. And this man was incredibly inspired to help the poor. He, 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 the first building works he did was to build schoolrooms, mm-hmm. so he started to educate the children, mm. and teach them, have Sunday schools and other classes where he'd bring children in and teach, and get them educated, um, and really spent himself in terms of he was an evangelical, he preached the gospel, uh, he was a very clever man, he was really inspired by loads of others, Faraday and other people. He was he was a very interesting communicator apparently, and grew a church uh steadily through preaching the gospel and uh so the church grew and grew until eventually they had to knock down or knock down most of it to build in 1864 1865 this what we now know as westminster chapel this incredible building which sat then two and a half thousand people he he saw i think about a thousand people uh, saved and added in, in that in that time died quite young I mean again incredible guy Uh, died at 61 and when they gave all the eulogies at his funeral most were agreeing that it was exhaustion it was just exhaustion he he really carried it on his own a lot of the years here really worked very very hard and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah so you read his story and you think wow what an incredible legacy what an incredible uh, man of God who just Expressed something of god's heart to this Mm. local community Mm. and saw something which has lasted then through generations of yeah well
0: that's what's it's awesome isn't it because of course it does seem to be biblical that uh, jesus said you will be like salt and light you know and the kingdom of god he he doesn't seem to say the kingdom of god will come through significant stadium ministries no (laughs) the kingdom of god comes uh, like a woman uh, put a little bit of yeast into the dough until the whole thing was leavened and you see that beautiful picture of faithful gospel ministry which, yeah. no one, presumably there was no kind of stigma for the, sto- the social gospel back then and so he was just... Sounds very-
1: he was very gospel orientated, they say in his biography they say there was a real lack of confidence in the gospel at that time and he had a tremendous confidence that actually the gospel would bear fruit Gosh. and so he preached the gospel oh. uh, unashamedly and uh, taught it in a way which was very accessible as i said with his interest in all things you know natural he he understood the natural world apparently his illustrations his stories would captivate the 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 humblest as well as the more intellectual so he was a great guy
0: if it was a biography or a couple of biographies you might recommend to a to a young thinker a young believer
1: it depends who you where where they are in terms Mm. of their reading and what have you as Mm -hmm. i said i think the Dalimore books and and right. I think they're they're good depending on their uh, capability and where that person's heart is I would I'd recommend reading stuff uh, a George Whitfield biography a Hudson Taylor Heather and I love Through Gates of Splendor we love the story of Jim Elliot mm-hmm. and modern and his quotations I mean I, I'm always coming out with Elliot quotes oh, like, really? where, wherever you are be all there you know the, the, oh. the, the, those sort of those faithful in the small things sort of guys who paid an the ultimate price but actually lived which is which is the whole point of biography lived the day-to-day life with the frustrations the limitations everything else they lived all out for god we always go to the end part of the story and think wow what incredible but actually they they lived in a reality a day-to-day reality which is accessible to all of us and, yeah. and inspire all of us to live in that in, in that way
0: So now having uh, talked about uh, people from church history, is that what are you up to at the moment Guy? What, what's exciting you now? What, what's on your next horizon?
1: We've come to London to bring through Eldership, leadership here at Westminster Chapel. We've now got two elders uh, here at Westminster Chapel, first time in their history having a plurality of elders. Wow. And there's a couple of other guys we're working with by hopefully in the next you know year we'll be bringing through more younger elders. As we're bringing through a younger leadership team, younger elders here. We're finding the congregation, it's a very diverse congregation. I think white British is a minority. It it very, very much represents the the, the diversity of London. So Heather and I are absolutely loving that, absolutely loving it. And we see more students, more young people, particularly being drawn here to the chapel. So it is a diverse age, diverse congregation, but how we help this church Turn out into its community, have a confidence with the gospel, have a have a confidence that God wants to see people born again and saved. This incredible church, which had a voice, has had a voice over many years, that it doesn't lose that voice, and it plays its part in 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 a, in a capital city, in terms of linking arms with other amazing denominations and groups of churches, and finds its voice in that. So, we're finding amazing grace for it. We, we, Heather and I, we, you know, we're going backwards and forwards quite a lot from Bournemouth, but we're loving it. We, we love the leadership here. We love the diversity here. We are increasingly getting to know the community around the four walls of this place. So that's, I, th- I think, one of my big prayers, my big hopes. We've given a two-year commitment to be up here sort of like half our time. And my my dream is, isn't actually, weirdly enough, A lot of people have died on this sort of battlefield of, we've got to fill the chapel. Mm. Uh, My my dream is that we produce a church, Mm. uh, a church which represents its community, which regularly sees people saved, a church which raises leaders to plant more churches across London, a church which welcomes the poor and needy and uh, is known for that. Mm. It's in its DNA. We need to restore that. Mm. A church which is known for its Preaching, a high view of the Gospel, a high view of the Word of God. But a church which is a place to encounter God, that actually it, it, it's, there's a risky place to come to because we anticipate the Holy Spirit moving. We anticipate people w- will be undone as they come into this place and they meet as a church to encounter the living presence of God. So that's what we're doing in London. I hope we can serve it well. Mm, mm. Yeah.
0: What do you, the word that comes to mind when you think in, when, you, when you talk about those variables is a word which I think you find in one john it 's this idea of maturity mm. coming to maturity of um, a church coming to maturity. What would some be some of the variables that you see in, involved in that because we 're living in a time when people will pick and choose a congregation based on mm. the smallest preferences, the smallest offenses, all mm. kinds of and we have transient uh, population living in big cities at the moment and so on, what are some things you see as maturity?
1: I think, I mean I think, I think it's Eugene Peterson who says maturity is self-government under God. I think you are trying to uh, get people to live under not the governance of men and institutions or denominations or streams you're getting them to go back to the Bible a confidence in the bible a reading of the bible a, an undoing in the bible in terms of that confidence is lacking i believe and i believe in a younger generation they can sound bite and we're living with lots of echoes of people who can repeat what others are saying and doing and chasing the latest maturity for me is actually seeing the that actually I'm called as a believer to become more like Christ. And the way I'm gonna do that is through a devotion to the the Bible, a devotion to a local church, not church hopping from church to church, looking for the latest, the biggest, the most famous. Mm. Um, And so I guess here we'd love to see people who, in this transient world we're living in, root down, root Mm. down and and get discipled. Mm. Uh, So disciples producing disciples, not one man ministry, not one voice, but a multitude of great Bible teachers teaching from the front and great men and women who are putting this into practice themselves, going away from here um, in love with the Bible, going and rooting it and searching the scriptures themselves. To, is what they say true? And, and challenging and, and thinking how you live as a Christian in our transient society, in our very fickle society where so much of it is on sort of social media and what is instantaneous, what looks good challenging that and, and realizing that actually you need to be rooted. For, mm-hmm. you, for, for maturity you need to put your roots into the Bible, you need to put your roots into church, into the relationships mm-hmm. in these churches. Mm-hmm. You can't build anything in a few years uh, and so trying to help the church do that mm. and my dream. If I had one dream that I'd love to do right across every church, it would be to take church out onto the streets Mm. and to do church on the streets, uh, to worship God, to preach God's word, to let people look in, but also to give Christians confidence that the, the... the the earth is the lords and everything in it, it yeah. that we we've got a kingdom to advance and taking the church out and having a confidence we haven't got to win all our arguments we haven't got to be the cleverest or the brightest articulate in terms of how we reason and how we're challenged by dawkins and all that sort of it a confidence in the gospel the mm, gospel mm, bears mm. fruit we we were out on the streets on these very steps two weeks ago and a lady that Heather had seen rescued out of prostitution, wonderfully saved, now married with kids back in Bournemouth, she gave her testimony on those steps. And I saw a lady walking the other side of the street, and, and she got to a certain part of her testimony, and this lady physically stopped. She turned and faced, and started to weep. Wow, we. Great. And we went over and prayed with this woman, who was a Christian, had backslidden, gotten into a whole load of mess, and on the streets, just led her back to God. Whoa. And you think, we j- just to take the church mm-hmm. and say, look, we have got the greatest... Tre- we found the treasure in the field. We found the pearl of great price. This isn't something we've got to try and force down people's throats. This is real. Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. Good news. It, it's not something we've got to be ashamed of. Right. Just have a confidence to share our love for Jesus, Mm -hmm. delight in Him, in worshipping Him, our confidence in the Word and taking that out and letting people just look in, I think would have a profound effect, no. What
0: a fantastic little picture, what a fantastic story. Finally, it'd be great to get your advice. You've been in Christian ministry in Winchester, India, Spain, Portugal, it'd be fascinating to hear. What advice would you give?
1: One of the first things I say to any group of leaders in churches is great leadership is to produce more leaders um, not more followers and i think we live in an age where our first question can often be how many people Um, and i'm not convinced that's the measurement god will use on my life i'm convinced more that the Great Commission was going to make disciples. I mean, William, you, you mentioned earlier about biographies, William Carey. I mean, I've read a couple of biographies of William Carey's, and again, it's hard. I mean, I don't know if you're like me. I'm probably just a big softie, but you weep. You weep when they they, they have setback after setback. You know, their wife, their kids. The, you weep, and you're thinking, and there's so little fruit to show for it. This is not success. We would, I would probably... In the job I'm doing, I'd probably try and talk them out of mm. the very thing that God was going to use them ultimately by them being faithful in the least, setting them over much. But you need to read these stories because it, it what, following after God, it, it's always going, not knowing. It is Abrahamic all the time. We never, ever quite know how it, this is going to work out. But those little steps of faith are what ultimately bear the greatest fruit. Mm. It, it's not those mm. moments of... Amazing glory when you suddenly see a breakthrough you suddenly stand on a platform and, mm. and it all comes good it, It's it's keeping going. It's plodding yeah. and being faithful
0: Well, you get that that is something which I have observed having sat on the front row of New Frontiers for you know m- most of my <laughs> childhood <laughs> one thing that was striking to me was the kind of Thursday mornings where the local pastors would gather and pray yeah. You know, you might see a guy who's he's just faithfully serving his church quietly, just keeping on going, and it's hard, yeah. and he's showing up week by week. And then Thursday morning, he shows up, and there's a guy sitting opposite, and someone got saved on Sunday. Yeah. And you think, well, no one got saved in my congregation, but it's happening. Yeah. And I'm sitting opposite someone who had that happen. Yeah. Encouragement, let's pray. And then someone else says, I really need help in this particular area. And here's the guy sitting here thinking... I could help that guy. Yeah. And you find the relationships yeah. seem to be so healthy in that sense, and that's, uh,
1: I, I think. I, I would say your dad modeled that and has continued to model that because if we come in with the performance as leaders, we're insecure, there's none on our offer course, we've had five people leave since the last prayer meeting. If you only model, success, you become more and more isolated. The emphasis of grace is an emphasis that actually we've got nothing to prove. It's all of grace. Mm. So your success and my challenge is... uh, it's a win for both of us. Your success is a win for me. Yeah. If you've seen someone saved where you lived, it's a win for me because we want to see people saved and Amen. rescued. Yeah. And my challenge is your challenge, because we have seasons, all of us will go through seasons, and we want brothers and sisters who are gonna stand with us, not to condemn us, not to say you're not quite as good as them, but to say, actually we've been through that. Amen. We've had hard seasons ourselves, but we're gonna stand with you Amen. until we see change. And That relational side, I I think ministers do get very lonely and isolated. And it's a wonderful thing to come into a grace-filled meeting where you can just be honest and people genuinely care and pray mm-hmm, and support mm-hmm. and, and give in a in hundred different ways to, to help you because we, we've got, all got different gifts and the beauty of translocal gifts is that we can share and we can be helped, you know, amazing people like Adrian Holloway in our own movement with the, this wonderful uh, ability with the gospel. Mm-hmm. They're, they're gifts for much more than one church. They're gifts mm-hmm. for the whole church and yeah, we, we need yeah. to learn.
0: Yes. But the, and one uh, just to finish, I think that, that what you're saying here is not just a frothy idea. What you've described goes to the heart of the Reformation, mm. because it is all of grace. Yeah. It is all um, at the end of it. No one's going to say, "Wasn't I clever?" No. I think I was listening to John McCarthy yesterday on a on a, a thing. It might have been, might have been someone else. But essentially, he was making the very same point that the Lord. We'll do it. And at the end, none of us is going to say, wasn't I clever? I did this. No, no, no. We will throw down our crowns before him and no. say, I didn't do it. No. You did it on a cross yeah. when you could have been in glory. Yeah. And you have brought many sons to glory. Mm. It goes to the heart of the gospel from the okay. Reformation. Yeah. It's been fantastic to have this time with you, Guy. Thank, Thank you very you, much. I've and we really it. do, we're thrilled. I'm really thrilled and excited to think of what you're doing here. And I pray that God will continue to bless what you're doing and that many will come yes. and we'll find the gospel Amen. in a church yeah. and the church in the gospel
1: yeah. in well, this place. It's really a joy to get some time with you. It really is.
0: For more episodes of the Christian Heritage London podcast and for information on Christian Heritage London events, tours and walks, please go to christianheritagelondon.org.